Would you please be seated? survived Thanksgiving, I see. How many of you are on at least day three of eating leftover turkey? Yeah, we wound up not hosting Thanksgiving this year. We were, we were going to. We went to, to Oklahoma to see family, which should be great because then I didn't have to bring home leftover turkey because, like, I could absolutely do without turkey for Thanksgiving. Like, it's, I'm just going to call it. It's the most overrated food on the planet, Okay. Uh, so, we came back uh, yesterday. Some of you are getting ready to walk out. I'm, I'm making people mad. I haven't even started. I haven't started because I've got people upset. This is us. Within one minute. That's good. Um, we had a birthday party for our middle child, Amelie, yesterday. And I did what Kansas City folks should do for Thanksgiving. Fired up the smoker. Had some uh, pulled pork and some chicken and some ribs. And, and that's how we're supposed to do it, right? That's what we're thankful for. But now we're glad to see you here. Uh, it, it is now past Thanksgiving, and even though it's not December yet, we can officially say it's now Christmas time. So now you can get the Christmas trees out. You can put the lights up. You can get Michael Bublé off the shelf and start playing the music. That's what we do this time of the year. Buckle up. The next four weeks are going to be busy, right? We've got everything. Christmas parties, Christmas uh, parades. The Christmas music is already starting to filter out. And yes, of course, Christmas movies are out there. We're starting a new series today to go along with those called Christmas at the Movies. And over the next four weeks, we are going to dive into some of our favorite Christmas movies. Brad and I uh, went through this, and if you know Brad at all, he's not a Christmas movie guy. He was trying his hardest to figure out how he could fit Napoleon Dynamite into the series. Um, or a zombie movie. I said, you know what? You do whatever you, you want to do with that. But we're excited about this series because I love Christmas movies. I, I love watching them. I do refrain. I don't watch them all year long. I love to watch them. And, and we can pull a lot out of these movies. And so the next few weeks we're going to be, be going through these because this is the time of the year we start to watch them. Unless you are like my wife and she's been watching Hallmark movies since September. You know, even though it's the exact same movie every single time. She's like, there's like, like 57 new movies this year. I said, with one script for all of them. You know exactly how the story is going to go. DJ Tanner from Full House is all grown up and lost her husband. And she goes back home to Illinois to see her family. And there she runs into A.C. Slater from Saved by the Bell, who's also all grown up. And his dad is a CEO who's about to put the local bakery out of business. It's always a bakery. Why is it always a bakery? But what she doesn't know is he actually owns the bakery. And, and they get mad and he gets arrested. And then she bails him out because she feels bad because it was kind of her fault. And then they wind up falling in love and actually he's Santa Claus. That's the story. That's literally every Hallmark movie ever made. My wife, I, I love to do this to my wife and my mom both. Within like three minutes of one coming on, I'm like, you know, those two are going to fall in love. Like, don't spoil it. Said, it's impossible to spoil these movies. So I did not intend to go on that long of a rant there. I apologize for that. 
But no, we are going to dive into Christmas after movies. And today we're starting with one of my favorites. It's not my all-time favorite. We'll get that in a couple of weeks. But my favorite, or one of my favorite Christmas movies, Elf. Uh, if you're not familiar with the, the story of Elf, it stars Will Ferrell as Buddy the Elf. And this is hard to believe. I had to actually stop and double-check this. This movie came out 19 years ago. 2003. I'm like, man... I knew I was in college. I didn't know I was getting that old yet. But 19 years ago, this movie came out. And if you don't know the movie, basically it goes like this. Will Ferrell plays an elf named Buddy who is a human. And he was in an orphanage as a baby when Santa Claus showed up at the orphanage. Uh, Buddy crawled into Santa's sack, and Santa didn't realize it until he gets back to the North Pole. So rather than take him back to the orphanage, they just keep him there at the North Pole. And he's raised by an elf named Papa Elf, who's played by Bob Newhart. And, and Buddy grows up, and, and in the course of time, he kind of realizes that he's a human and not an elf, and he, he learns that he has a real father who's played by James Kahn, who's a book, uh, children's book writer in New York City, and he finds out that his dad is actually on the naughty list. And so he sets out to go to New York City to try and find his dad, to reach him, to help him get off the naughty list and embrace the Christmas spirit. And, and this is uh, actually what the very first clip looks like when Buddy steps into New York City into a culture that he is not remotely familiar with. So check this first clip out. You 
you can see, Buddy is a total fish out of water. I mean, he has no idea what New York City is all about. If you've ever been to Manhattan, you kind of understand some of the people Buddy's interacting with. I love the scene in the coffee shop when he's congratulating them and they just look at him like, it's just coffee, you know. But I love the scene, especially as it follows where he gets in the elevator and he pushes all the buttons. On, you know, in the Empire State Building, he pushes every floor button. It just looks like a Christmas tree. And then he gets off the elevator. That, that's Buddy. He just finds happiness. He finds joy everywhere that he goes. And you'll hear Buddy throughout the, uh, the, the movie say lines that, that kind of exemplify that joy, like what I'm wearing today. I love to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Or I love it when he answers the phone with Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? You know, he just has this, this incredible joy in his heart. And part of that is because he lives by what they call the Elf Code which is the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for everyone to hear. And you'll see many times throughout the movie, Buddy, when things get difficult, he just starts singing a Christmas song. And it brings joy not only to him, but in the end of the movie, actually to everybody around, and it brings the, the, the spirit clausometer on, on the Santa sleigh back up to where it needs to be. But you understand this as we get into the holiday season. That sometimes joy isn't always that easy to grab a hold of. Because there are a lot of things in our lives, especially this time of the year, that can rob you of your joy. This is a busy, busy season. If you're a parent, you understand this. Your kids are going to be busy the next few weeks. You have school programs and and, and classroom parties for your kids. And then on top of that, you have maybe Christmas parties with your your office workplace or maybe with your small group or with your neighborhood or just get-togethers. And it's all things you look forward to and things that are fun, but they just start to wear you out and stress you out. And by the way, you still have to have time for shopping. You have to have time to, to decorate the house and get all those things just right and just perfect like you're used to doing for your traditions. Maybe this year your, your joy has been robbed because you got a diagnosis this year. You, you were told something by a doctor, or maybe you're going to go to a doctor this week to get test results, and you don't know what you're going to hear, but you've got that anxiety in the back of your mind that you're just not looking forward to. it, And that's weighing on your heart and weighing on your mind as you navigate into this, this particular season. Maybe it's loss. Maybe this is your first Christmas without that person in your life. The, the loss of a, of, a, of a parent or a spouse or a child or, or maybe it's a divorce or a breakup and you're staring at an empty chair at the table this Christmas. Maybe that's weighing on you. Maybe it's marital issues. Maybe you're struggling this year. Maybe you're struggling this year. Just, just the connection between you and your spouse. He spends too much time at work or too much time on hobbies and not enough attention and focus are given to you. Or she spends too much of, of the time and, and money and energy on the kids and not enough on you. And there's just that grinding friction that gets kind of highlighted this year. Maybe it's your finances. We're in a very uncertain financial time, a very difficult financial time. And going into the holiday season can be difficult because you want that perfect Christmas. You want to get your kids or your grandkids everything that they could possibly ask or want for. And you know there's that temptation and that, that threat to roll up a big credit card debt to make it happen. And you know in the back of your head January is just waiting for you when this is all over with. There is so much negativity, so much heaviness that this time of the year can bring to us They can rob us of our joy, and it can be hard to live a life like Buddy running around New York City with not a care in the world. 
and here's kind of why I've realized as I've gotten a little bit older, the holiday season, it tends to just amplify whatever's going on in your life. If everything is great and good in your life, this is the best, I think, the best time of the year. It's the, the most fun, most joyful time of the year. But if there's any of those difficulties going on, this time of the year can really highlight those. This is one of the hardest times of the year for people who are alone, people who are hurting, because they just, they feel like by comparison they can't find joy, they can't find happiness. And so I kind of took that with my mindset this past few weeks, and it was kind of fun as I, as I dove in to, to prepare for this sermon. Normally I've got my Bible and I've got my notepad and I've got maybe a commentary or two, depending what I'm preaching on. I've got my computer pulled up with different things. This week it was my Bible, my notepad, and a TV on my desk. And my wife actually came in my office uh, while I was prepping for one of these sermons. And I had my feet kicked up and I'm, I've got my notepad and I'm writing stuff down. She goes, you look like you're working really hard. I said, actually, you have no idea. This is much harder than I normally work. <laughs> I'm trying to get all these just right for this. But what I did throughout this is, is I just watched through the movie, looked in the Christmas story, and I asked, what can we get from Buddy the Elf? Because that's the ultimate point behind all this. What can we get from Buddy the Elf? that we can take and put into our own lives and into our own hearts to help us find and capture a little bit more joy this holiday season. Got a couple of lessons we learned. Here's the first lesson. Life doesn't have to be perfect to be joyful. Life does not have to be perfect to be joyful. If I asked you to raise your hands on who had the most perfect life in here right now, I, I would hope no hands go up. But we're going to see from Buddy here that despite the joy he has in his life, his life is far from perfect. And as he grows up and he grows older, Buddy starts to realize that there's something wrong with him in comparison to everybody else. Watch this clip. As much as uh, Buddy was accepted by his family and friends, there were a few drawbacks to being a, a human in a, an elf's world. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be a little bit short on today's quota. Sorry, sorry. Just how many extra catches did you get finished? Come on, buddy. How many? I made, uh, 85. You? 915 off the picture. Why don't you just say it? I'm the worst toy maker in the world. I'm a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. No, buddy, you're not a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. We all just have different talents, that's all. Seems like everyone else has the same talents except for me. You have, you have lots of talents. Uh, special talents, in fact. Like, um... Uh, special talent? Hey, you changed batteries in a smoke detector? Sure did. Yeah. Triple A. In six months, you'll have to check them again. Whoa. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're the only baritone in the elf choir. <laughs> you bring us down a whole octave. In a good way. <laughs> hey, buddy. You're not a cotton head in any mother. You're just... <laughs> and so, Buddy was sent where the, the special elves work. <laughs> 
Now, if you're a Christmas movie buff, you might notice that the head elf there, Ming Ming, is played by the same guy who plays Ralphie in A Christmas Story, all grown up. Uh, but, but as we see there with Buddy, he obviously struggles with his imperfections. Uh, right after this scene is over, Buddy really finds out the truth that, that he is a human, and, and through a series of flashbacks, he realizes that you know he's the tallest one on the basketball team by about four feet. He can dunk on all the smaller L's. He can't fit in his own shower. His toilet is about this big, which leads to a great scene when he's in New York City. Peeking over the stall, the person next to him going, going, have you seen these toilets? They're ginormous. Buddy realizes very quickly that there is a lot of things potentially wrong with the life that he has. But as we saw in the first clip, where he's running through New York City happy and full of joy, that actually comes right after the one we just now watched. That's the next scene in the movie, where Buddy gets sent on a special mission by Santa to try and go find his dad. And what we see from joy, uh, from, from, from Buddy here is something that we can file away is the difference between happiness and joy. You see, Buddy is unhappy, and he's not letting the unhappiness rob his joy because it really boils down to the simple fact in life that happiness is external and joy is internal. Happiness is reactionary. It's an emotion. You, you gain happiness or unhappiness in life depending what's going on. And we see how quickly those two can change. Just show of hands, how many of you sometime this week found something that made you extremely happy? How many of you also found something that made you unhappy? And for how many of you was that within an hour of each other? <laughs> Maybe it was sitting at the table at Thanksgiving dinner. You don't, have to, you don't have to raise your hands. Don't do that. They might be in the room. Okay. But we get this, right? Happiness is such an interesting topic to talk about because the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about it. It's mentioned, but it's not just a topic we read a lot about. Often because even when we see God happy or unhappy, it's in reaction to what his people are doing. It's a response, just like in our lives. And I think there's this disconnect we get between happiness and holiness, and I've mentioned this before, but there's this idea that, that people will say, God only cares about your, your holiness, not your happiness. Well, he does care about your holiness. He wants you to live a life that is holy, that's following after him. But he gave us the, re- the, the, the reaction and the emotion of happiness. We just can't seek it at the expense of holiness. And I think the main reason we need to remember that is because happiness is temporary. You all just told me a moment ago that many of you were happy, and then at some point later you were unhappy. That's life. That's the human experience that happiness is fleeting. It only hangs on for a little while. But joy, on the other hand, is different. Joy is not an emotional response. It's an underlying state of being. It's part of who you are, and it's because of the joy in your life that you can truly experience happiness. Even when things are difficult, when things are going wrong, joy can actually transcend the external circumstances in your life. You see this with Buddy. He's got many things going on in his life that can cause him to be unhappy. But he has joy that ultimately overcomes all of this. I think in our lives we can experience the same thing. You can have so many things going wrong, but it's joy that ultimately covers all of that. And it's simple, the reason why. Joy comes from God. Paul writes in Romans chapter 15 in in the prayer, he says, May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What I love about this verse is that that joy is not isolated. It's matched with the word that we see it matched with throughout a lot of scripture with peace. Joy and peace, I think, are kind of intertwined. Uh, I think that's why you see somebody who can have everything in the world going against them. Everything that's piled on them. Everything that's weighing them down. And you can say, man, how in the world has this person got any happiness whatsoever? It's because they have joy that only comes from God. And that joy brings them peace. And that peace then brings them more joy. And it's this beautiful cycle that God gives us. Of one leading to the other, one feeding into the other. And we see this in so many different people. People that, that regardless of what's going on in their life, they have joy. They have peace. The reason is simple. Happiness is dependent on the flesh. Joy is dependent on the spirit. Did you know this about joy? It doesn't just come from God, but it's a gift that God gives to you. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul gives this list that we call the fruits of the spirit. When he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine things there. And I think that that's a list that we can look at at times and, and say, man, those are great things. I would love to have those. And you might be looking at this right now and going, you know what? I think I've got love. I think I've got joy. I think I've got kindness. I don't really have much self-control. I don't always have that much peace. And, and my faithfulness, it depends on the day. If that's you, I mean, that's, you're, you're, you're just like the rest of us. Because all of us, I think, see this list at times, and we feel like we're strong in some areas and not. But here's the warning I want to give you when it comes to this list. Don't look at this list and turn this into a to-do list. Because I think it's very easy to say, well, I've got love, peace, and joy. And I don't really have self-control. There are some days I don't have goodness. I don't even know what forbearance means. So I'm running like a C-minus on my walk with Christ right now. That is not what this list means. It's not like I've got 50%, so I've got some work to do. This is not a to-do list. This is a results list. The more you walk with Christ, the more you will see these things naturally start to come out in your life. So you may look at this and say, man, I don't really have the peace I wanted. Keep walking with Christ. Keep walking with him, and you're going to eventually look back and realize, you know what, I think I had that peace all along. I know with myself, I've looked back at many spots in my life where I think, man, how did I hold that all together through that? I didn't. Christ held it together for me. Jesus held it together for me. The Spirit through me, through through these gifts, just in walking with Him, helps me out. Because here's the, the, the reality, folks. We all are dealt situations in life that are just, they just suck. Can I say that? I did. Okay? I'm sorry. If you've got a complaint, you can write a letter to Brad Fogo. Uh, he would be more than happy to hear that letter from you. But we get this right. We just get situations. That they're, just, they're just terrible. We didn't ask for them. We didn't want them. They found us anyway. And, and, and we're stuck with trying to figure out what to do next, how much we can lean into God, how much we should take steps on our own that he's putting out in front of us. We've all been there. Maybe you're there right now. And the question is, what do we do with it? When you feel like the world is crashing in on you, what do you do about it? As a Christian, you have two options. You can fold up like a chair, or you can press on and lean into God as you do so. There's such an amazing example of this found in the beginning of the Gospels, at the beginning of the Christmas story, with a teenage girl named Mary. 
You might know her story. If not, we'll read it together. It's on the screens up here if you don't have a Bible. But Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'll just read this, this story. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Push pause for one second here. A lot of scholars believe Mary was no more than about 12 to 14 years old here. That was common in this culture. Okay, it wasn't like this creepy predator thing that we might think about in our culture. This was common in this culture. When a woman was of age physically, she would be married. But she's still a young girl. And she's pledged to be married to Joseph. She's a virgin. goes on to say, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And we read this story, and obviously this is God giving Mary this opportunity and putting Mary into this, this position, but let's kind of separate ourselves from that for just a moment and think about this if it were a bit more personal. Because for some of you, maybe maybe this is a story you've lived. An unplanned teenage pregnancy. Maybe through yourself, maybe through a child that you have. Maybe through somebody that you know. Let me just ask you a question. What was your first response when you found the news? It was probably not, I am so full of joy right now. It's probably, okay, now what? And parents, just for a moment here, let's again, let's put ourselves in the situation to try to get some perspective on where Mary's coming from. If your teenage daughter came to you and said, I'm pregnant, but God did this to me. How many of you are buying that story? Or, or guys, if your fiancé came to you, I'm pregnant, but God did this to me. How many of you are buying this story? I can count on zero fingers how many of you would buy that story. <laughs> okay? Mary is suddenly, immediately a teenage outcast. And thankfully we read in Matthew's account that the angel visits Joseph and reassures him because Joseph is ready just to walk away. To divorce her and, and leave her and let her be. Mary is a teenage outcast immediately. But look at Mary's response. In verse 46, it says, Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. She doesn't get angry. She doesn't get frustrated. She doesn't get scared. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will be blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary turns this news that could have been devastating news to her into joy. How? Because she understands that all of this, the joy, the peace, all of it, comes from when you surrender yourself to God and let Him have control over your life and guide you and lead you. That is when you're able to take those terrible, yucky circumstances and flip them into hope and promise and joy and peace 
that only comes from God. That's how you transcend all of the, the, the stuff, the physical that could lead to unhappiness and find peace and joy in the midst of it. And happiness is temporary. We can create happiness for ourselves and each other, but we're eventually going to run out of energy and let each other down. Mary understood that, and despite of, of, of an imperfect situation, an imperfect life, she found joy in the middle of it. Here's our second lesson we get from Buddy the Elf. That true joy in life comes when you know him. Some of you know the clip that we're about to watch here. Oh, wow! What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. Time for announcement. Okay. Okay, people. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa's here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Just keep your receipt. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yeah. I know him. (laughs) True joy comes from knowing him, but as Buddy quickly finds out, sometimes knowing him ultimately can lead to disappointment when you're not looking at him and you're looking at something else instead. Watch this one. Who the heck are you? What are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Oh, uh, well, of course I am. <laughs> you're Santa. What song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Happy birthday, of course. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how old are you, son? Oh, You're a big boy. What's your name? Oh. And uh, what can I oh. get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kids talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? Stop <laughs> kidding. You stink. I think you're going to have a good Christmas, all right? I like beef and cheese. You don't smell like that. Okay. Good. He's a monster! He's a fake! He's a fake! He's a fake! That scene leads to one of my favorite kind of subtle lines in the movie when the next day uh, his, his girlfriend asked him, uh, did Gimbel give you your job back? And he said, no, even better. They gave me a restraining order. Uh, but you see Buddy's excitement when he finds out that the one person that he knows that is reliable is going to be there in his disappointment when he realizes that's not who that is. And, and we can kind of learn from this because Buddy tells us something that we can all understand. True joy, true hope, true promise comes from knowing Him. 
Masena. Jesus. <laughs> it comes from knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When you know Him, you can find joy in the midst of everything. Some of you tomorrow are going to walk into a job that you really don't like, but it's a job. It's a paycheck. And you're going to walk in there anyway. And you're going to walk in with a smile on your face, despite how frustrated you are with the job and the people around you. And somebody's going to say, why are you smiling like that? And you're going to say, because I know him. Some of you are going to go to a meeting tomorrow or deal with a difficult person in your life. And you're going to approach it with joy and peace. Why? Because you know him. That makes all the difference in the world. When in the midst of the chaos and the noise and the busyness and everything that we deal with in life, you can boldly and proudly say, I know him. That's good news. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10 why that is such good news, because he says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know the, the, the literal Greek translation, the word everyone, you, you know what the Greek word literally translates to? Everyone. Like there's no tricks there. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Even Paul, the man who wrote this, who called himself the worst of all sinners, who did damaging, disgusting, terrible things to the church and the followers of Jesus, found joy and peace in Jesus because he found out who he was and he got to know him. A few verses before, Paul said these words in verse 9, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a period that follows that sentence. There's not a, a footnote that you've got to go down and read some extra language there. There are no conditions. There are no demands other than what you're told to do, to take up your cross and follow him, to surrender your life to him, to give your heart and your soul to him. You don't have to fill out an application. You don't have to meet a list of qualifications. You don't have to wait for God to reply to a friend request. You surrender to him. And as Peter tells us in Acts chapter 2, that's as simple as repenting and being baptized and starting to walk with Christ. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, I've kind of discovered this in my life. Uh, I've walked with God for as long as I can remember. I, I grew up in the church. I was officially saved and baptized when I was about 12 or 13. I can't remember if it was before or after my birthday that summer. But I've found this out. The older I've gotten, the more I've walked with Him. There are some days that are easier to walk with Christ than others. There are some days when the Christian walk is a piece of cake and other days where it feels like I'm walking into a, a 50 mile an hour headwind. And as I do this, those days when it's difficult, the more I call upon his name and declare him Lord, it's not like it's resaving my soul every single time. It's reaffirming and reassuring in me who he is in my life and what role he plays as I walk with him. And it makes walking with him a little bit easier on those days and a little bit richer on the good days, too. See, here's the thing. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, if you can't honestly say, I know him, Kurt, I want to invite you to know him. Now, is, is the Christian walk perfect and easy all the time? Absolutely not. There are some days when temptation to sin is much stronger in my face than others. Same with you guys who have been doing this for a long time, too. 
There are some days when trusting Him is very easy, and some days when it's not as easy. And I, I just told you guys this, I am extremely good at standing here on this stage and telling you all to take steps in faith. I'm not always good at doing it myself. There are some days that's easier than others. And that's, that's what it's like to walk with Jesus. But here's the truth of the matter. When you know Him, you'll understand what He promised back in the Old Testament to Joshua. And again, repeated in the book of Hebrews that He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never let you out and hang you out to dry. When you know Him, He will give you a peace and a joy in your heart that nothing in this world can take away. Nothing can take away. I'd like to do something a little bit different this morning as we get ready to wrap this up. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. And I'm just going to ask you to to, to repeat it line by line after me. Uh, This isn't a prayer I've pre-rehearsed or or pre-written or any of that. We used to do this when I was a kid in church and it was one of those that, that if I just repeated what I heard said, it didn't mean much. But when I personalized it, it did. So wherever you're at, if you've walked with Christ for years, if you've known Him for decades, or if you're here today, if you're watching online and you don't know Him, you're checking Him out, you're trying to learn a little bit more about Him, or you're anywhere in between, would you pray this prayer with me today? Father in Heaven, we thank You for Jesus. We thank you that you invite us to know him. God, we, we, we thank you for sending him. And God, I pray today that I would get to know him more so that I can become more like him. So that he can come into my heart that I can experience joy and that I can experience peace that this world can't offer and the world can't take away. God, we're thankful for Jesus that you sent him to be born to become one of us so that we could recognize him We could follow him. We could believe in him. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we are so grateful for your son. You sent to be born so that he could one day die. That he came to this earth to become one of us. To die on the cross for us that we could one day invite him into our hearts and to give him our lives and give him our soul. God, to make him the Lord of our lives. God, I pray today for anybody in the room or watching online, wherever they might be, wherever they're at in their walk and their path with you. God, I ask that you would show them who you are. Help them to get to know you. Those of us who have known you, help us to lead them to know you. God, we are so grateful, so grateful for Jesus coming to us and for this Christmas season where we celebrate that. We pray this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you take communion, I just wanted to share a simple communion thought with you. 
and before the booze commence, hear me out. I'm, I'm not in love with Christmas music. Can I say that as a worship pastor? Can I say I really don't care for Christmas music? Who else hears with me? Is there like a, all right, there's like a 10% of the haters club. But I think that problem that I have with uh, communion, and this is long before I ever became a worship pastor, is I felt like it was a lot of just going through the motions. I grew up in a small church of Christ, and so much of what we did was tradition for tradition's sake. Have to do it. And I learned to resent that a little bit. And it's interesting to just to be juxtapositioned against people that miss that, love that, value that tradition. So it's just viewing it through a different lens, really. And I bring that up not to talk about Christmas music or the dog on it. But I bring it up because when we do Christmas music, I like to add some new choruses just to add new flares to it, new meaning, you know, bring it back into a state of worship and not just something that's stuck purely in the past and doing it for tradition's sake. And I know that some of you are like, man, I wish they would cut out that new stuff and just sing the way that it should be sang, right? That's okay. We're all entitled to our opinions, but coming full circle on that thought, what I wanted to bring to you is this idea of communion. We do it every Sunday. But we don't do it for tradition's sake. What we're trying to do is trying to remember what Christ did on the cross for us and make it as real today as it was 2,000 years ago when it happened. So as we do this, don't just go through the motions. Bring real meaning behind it. If you enjoy Christmas songs, I enjoy them too now, more so than I did. I've learned to really appreciate what they are. But they're still not my favorite time of year. But it's a nice time to reset, right? So let's take communion today. But let's not do it just because it's something that we do. Let's do it because there's real meaning in remembering what Christ did on the cross for us.